You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Good morning. That sounded like good stuff he was saying there, but all I could see was his credit cards and his little wallet thing right there, and I was wondering if maybe I could grab one of those, but maybe that's contrary to what he was saying. I don't know, but oh, how you doing this morning? Good? Um, yeah, I feel like I'm on fire, too. I feel like I'm about to burst, but I don't know if that's the room or just Holy Spirit inside of me. Can we just go with Holy Spirit? We'll just go with that. Oh, my gosh. Wow, wow. Um, Jocelyn and the kids are traveling back from Nashville. We had spent some time up there this week celebrating my mother-in-law. I don't even like calling her my mother-in-law. She's my mom, really. Um, Best in-laws I could ever hope for. But um, she turned 80, and we had the family together and celebrated that. It was a great time. Um, That's our old stomping grounds, for those of you who don't know. We had 16 years where we lived there and planted a church there. And we got to connect with some old friends, and it was wonderful. But the whole time I was there, even though it was good, and it was good to reconnect, I missed my home. Because this is my home, this is my family here, and I missed you guys, even though I didn't miss a Sunday, I missed you guys, and it's good to be back. So Jocelyn and them send their love, they're driving back, so they're probably somewhere in that direction right now. So can you just (laughs) extend your hand that direction right now, and just say safe travels, and Lord bless them, and keep them safe on the way down, amen? Amen, thank you for that, appreciate it. Joss does not like driving by herself, and and she uh, took one for the team this morning. So, Okay, I want to do a quick update on where we are as a family with, uh, with the building, with the church, and the move, and all that stuff. If you have not been around, uh, we are in the process of making a move. Uh, the hope, the plan, the, what we hope God's going to do with this is that we will have September 6th, 16th will be our last Sunday in this building here. And then we will move from there over to a building off 434 in Longwood. We are still in negotiations uh, with the landlord, um, we at this moment right now, what we're waiting on is the architect. He has to get into the building, get all the as-builts, what's called as-builts, get those put together, and then we have given him a drawing, a floor plan of what we would desire, and he's going to put that together, put it into drawings so that we can get some actual costs from subcontractors on it. So that's the update. That's where we are right now. We're waiting. Um, hopefully we will hear something by the end of the week and we be- can begin to move forward with that. Um, it's a little bit of a process, takes a little bit of time. Um, what I want to encourage us with in all of this, though, is not just the facts of the move, that never, ever lose sight that all authority in heaven belongs to him, right? Yeah. So all we need to do is keep our hearts and our mindset in the right place. I believe the biggest disappointments come in life when we get our hearts and our minds set on something that God's not doing. And we want to stay set on what God is doing here. So we're still pursuing it. We're watching what he's doing, just praying for the best, um, praying for a smooth transition. So you guys join us in that as we do that, just for a smooth transition that really we will find favor um, with contractors, subcontractors, that uh, God will give us the right people at the right time. And hopefully what we want to see in all of this is not just get all this stuff done so we can go in and start doing kingdom. We want to see kingdom happen through the process. That's the desire. That's the the thing. And we don't want it to be a place where we just do ministry. This is a family. It will be our home. This is where we're going to meet and gather. But at the same time, I want to see the kingdom imparted wherever we go. So whenever we make a move, it's not just a group of people going there. All of a sudden, everything starts to open up and people in the neighborhoods begin to feel God's around here. Can we think like that? Does that sound like fun? So you guys with us? You excited about it? Very good. Um, if you have not uh, done the capstone, I encourage you just to keep praying about that. Uh, the money we use from capstone will go into this transition. We've been doing this for a couple of years. I think we have about sixty-five, close to $65,000 set for the move to purchase things we need to purchase and to get in there. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm dreaming big here. I'm dreaming really big. Danielle was talking again this morning to the team saying, I can't wait till we have a platform where we can have the band layered and we're not all like this so we can communicate better. I don't know if you guys recognize that, how hard it is when the worship leader's leading, trying to talk to this side and trying to talk to this side. So it's the little things, but it makes us excited that that we can have this kind of stuff. So sound good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, if you got to say it with a little Jesus. Put it in like dead Jesus. I don't know what it is. There's just a little more anointing on it when you go, Jesus. I don't know if that's true or not, but it feels good to say that. So, Oh, so, man, I really feel good. I really feel good with what God is doing. Personal life, I'm just feeling really on fire right now, just encountering Jesus and 
listening to him speak to me in ways that I hadn't heard him speak to me before, and I'm really excited about that. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm bringing where I am right now. I started last week with talking about how God thinks. That seems like a very arrogant title to put on a message, how God thinks, as if I've got it. I don't have it. I'm just saying I'm starting to learn a few things, and I want to help bring a little bit of that to us. So started last week. We'll just call how God thinks part one, and we'll, call, we'll be really creative and call this one how God thinks part two. Okay? You guys okay with that? I was more interested in what he was thinking than trying to give a good title to it. So anyway, I just want to talk about that a little bit this morning. I do want to warn you that some of it may come out a little bit like stream of consciousness. But I'm just praying right now, Holy Spirit, that you will encounter us the way we need to be encountered. Because what we want ultimately is to have minds that are renewed, transformed, so that we think like you think. That we not only hear you, but we hear you accurately. We hear you in such a way that we don't catch just words, we catch your heart. That we catch what you're wanting to do, what the meaning, what the character and the nature of heaven is when it's imparted through your voice. I'm still praying for you right now. You want to receive this with me? This is what I want. I want to know the very vibration of heaven when God's talking. I want to know what the angels are doing when God's speaking. I want to know so much how he thinks that when I begin to think like that, it comes out of my mouth naturally that I don't feel like I have to give a prophetic word. I'm a prophetic person. Yeah. That it flows out of me and it just happens. And wherever I go, it happens because we're happening people. Yes. Things don't happen to us. We're happening people. Yes. Wherever we go, we happen. Yes. Amen? Amen? Man, maybe I ought to keep praying. That felt really good. <laughs> you know you don't have to stop praying even when we're talking. You know that, right? I remember teaching at a school one time, and I was talking a little bit in one of the sessions about prayer. And after the session, we all went and had lunch, and I sat down at the table, and sometimes the students are afraid to come sit with me for some reason. I don't know why. I don't think I'm scary, but maybe I am scary. One of them finally gets up enough nerve to come sit to me, or sit with me, came down and sat next to me or across from me, and I was looking down, you know, just messing with my food, and he goes, I'm sorry, are you praying? <laughs> and I just kind of, just joking, it just came to me at the at that moment, I said, I think that's really funny that you think you can interrupt my prayer. Oh. David says, I am prayer. Yeah. I am prayer. I've become prayer. In other words, it becomes the kind of communication that we have with the Father that there is zero interruption between me having a conversation with you and having a conversation with him. That it's a constant flow and it's always moving. I heard someone describe it like this, living in the L. It's Father... And if you want to look at it like that, I don't necessarily believe that heaven is way far off. I believe it's right here, actually. But it's a matter of communicating with something outside of the norm and then being able to go back and forth like this. You guys know you can go to heaven whenever you want, right? Yeah, I hope you know that. That's a standard of this house. You can go to heaven whenever you want. It may take a little getting used to, but you can go to heaven whenever you want. <laughs> it feels really good in here. <laughs> Some of you right now are going, what is he talking about? No, uh, the kingdom of God is within you, yeah. Yeah. right? Wow, that feels good. Uh, so how God thinks. I'm taking little parts of Scripture, reading them, and asking Holy Spirit to communicate to me just a little bit different so I don't get stuck in my familiar interpretation of Scripture. You know what I mean? It's easy to catch something when you read or you hear a passage of Scripture, catch a revelation on it, and it's easy to hold on to that revelation, which is good. We need to hold on to the revelation. We need to pursue it. But at the same time, we need to leave ourselves open to catching another aspect of what it is. Because the word's living and active. Psalm says, David writes about God and he says, You spoke once, twice I heard it. He spoke one time. But in any given situation, you can hear what God is saying through those same words. But it'll come in a little bit different. You spoke once, but twice I heard it. I think that's, for me, the heart of what I want to catch here. I've spent a lot of time in the scripture I've studied, but I really want to grow, and I really want to grow into a person that looks just more like Jesus. Now, I know that sounds a little common, a little churchy, but I really do want to look like Jesus. But I don't want to look like the Jesus that walked on this earth. I want to look like Jesus that's seated at the right hand of the Father. Second Corinthians 5 says, Even him, even Jesus, you knew after the flesh, but we don't even know him that way any longer. Do you remember the bracelets, WWJD? They're not so much around anymore. I, I like the idea behind it, but you know, I can answer the question. What would Jesus do? 
Real simple answer to it. He would do exactly what you couldn't. What would Jesus do? If I hold on to a WWJD and try to apply my life and make it look like Jesus that walked on the earth, I'm missing the point completely. What would Jesus do? Jesus did exactly what I couldn't do. And actually, more now, now as a prophetic people, we should be asking the question, what is Jesus doing? It's not a past. He's present. He's with me. Same God, yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 says that. It's the same. I should be asking, what's he doing right now? You catch the subtle shift in it because one of them says, I want to do what Jesus did. I want to perform or act like he did because he was such a great man. Another one thinks, no, he's working right now. He's inside of me. What's he saying right now? What's he doing? How does God think? Not only does how he thinks, I don't, I don't want to catch just the words. I want to catch everything that goes with it. So I'm asking myself little questions like this. Genesis 1. In the beginning, right? The earth was formed or void, without form. And God spoke, and he said, let there be light. So I'm asking the question. When he spoke that, what was in his heart? What, how does God think? Now, I don't know this to be true completely, but I'm just discovering something, that when God speaks, vision comes. Because he started with, let there be light. And it wasn't just light in and of itself. It was meant to reveal something. So when he speaks, there's something behind it. It's not just that the light was created. It's that he wants us to see something. You see what I'm saying? These are little things I'm beginning to ponder and go, it's, there's, when God speaks, it's in his intention, his very heart then was for vision to be released. Not just an understanding of what he's saying. There's something inside of it. There's something deeper. Now, we all know how to think at some level. And we all know that not every thought that we have is God thoughts, right? We know that. You've ever just talked about that before? 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about that, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, right? And I like to look at that like not every thought that comes to me is my own. So I need to discern which one is God, which one is me, which one is the demonic, and be able to take the demonic and even my own thoughts and be able to not, not to say they don't matter, my own thoughts matter. I'm just saying take those ones that aren't necessarily what God is saying, put them in the little toilet and hit the flush handle. (laughs) Let's get rid of that one. That's not thoughts I need to be thinking. Is that a little too graphic for you? It helps me in my mind. I have to do that because I don't want to compartmentalize it and just put it somewhere else that I'll find later. If I put it in that place, it's not coming back, you know? (laughs) It needs to go. It needs to go away. I don't want to think like that. I, I, want to, I want to not only think bad thoughts, I want to have my mind renewed to such an extent that I, I begin to recognize and arrest thoughts a lot faster and get rid of them. But I, I, I'm also discovering that there's something, there's another layer with this. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But I don't want to just get rid of the bad. I want to be more prepared for what he's saying. Because I can walk around in defense all the time, but I don't ever really find that I win very much. In other words, the best defense is a good offense. I can take the thought captive and get rid of it, but I want his thoughts more than anything because the best defense is a really good offense, right? That was good, Andrew. Last week, I spoke a little bit about repentance. I think I went on a bunny trail with it. Um, Last week was lit. It was on fire. I don't know what was happening, but I would suggest if you didn't hear it, go listen to it. Um, It'll probably help this one make a little more sense. I briefly spoke about repentance, just went on a little bunny trail, and if you've been around here long enough, we talk about this enough to know this is another house standard. Repentance, the word in Greek, metanoia, means change your thinking or change your mind. How many grew up, be honest with me, how many grew up thinking that repentance meant turn and go in the opposite direction? I am so sorry. I am so sorry that that's the way it was portrayed to you. Does it have an element of that in it? Absolutely. The primary meaning is not turn and go in the opposite direction. The primary meaning is change your thinking. Because if you change your thinking, then you will go in the opposite direction. If you just go in the opposite direction, you're going to do it under your own willpower, and you're still thinking bad thoughts. You're just going to perform. That doesn't lead to anything good. The heart of it is change your thinking. Repent. Repent. Re-again. Pent. Penthouse high place. Again, High place. Again, high place. Isaiah 55 we talked about. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts.
What's he saying? My thoughts, the way God thinks, are so much higher. We need to come back to that way of thinking. Aren't you glad that the work of the cross absolutely obliterated the power of the devil? Colossians says, you who were at enmity with God in your mind. Isn't that great? Not in your person. We were at enmity with God in our mind. That's why Romans 12, 1 and 2 is so important. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? I used to think it would, my mind was renewed by memorizing a bunch of scripture. That's okay, but that's not really what it takes. I can know it here, but not know it here. Right? Your word I've hidden in my heart, right? You hear me say it all the time. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Not my head. When it's in my heart, then I have something to gauge. If I just know something up here, it leaves it all on me and my willpower to choose which way I'm going to do it. But when I know it in here, it becomes a natural choice. It's an outflow of a living with him. Does that make sense? I want to talk a little bit this morning about confession. Because, again, the confession really is a part of how God thinks. But like repentance, where people think that it's turn and go in the opposite direction, which is not repentance, but it is the fruit of repentance. Can we say that safely? Nod with me if you're in here. I want to make sure. I'm talking about stuff that may be stirring or provoking a little bit. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. I'm not saying you don't have to turn. I'm just saying don't let that be your primary. Let's find the right way of thinking first. I know what it's like to live in 16 years of addiction and try to get out of it because I thought that I needed to. But then I met the lawgiver, Jesus himself. I met him. I met the one. And now all of a sudden my thinking changed and that other stuff all of a sudden took on a whole new meaning to me. I wasn't trying to get away from it. I used to think, I don't want to do this anymore. 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 You guys with me? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I wish I didn't do those things. I don't like those things. I don't want to do those things. That was the sum total of my thinking. Then when I met him, I moved from, I don't want to do this anymore to, I'm not required to live like that anymore. That is so anti of who I am and who God created me to be. Addiction is just trying to get a legitimate need met in an illegitimate way. That's all it is. Wow, that's good. Mm -hmm. That needs to settle in. You need to hear that again? Yes. Habitual sin in your life, guys. We all have it in places. It's there. Come on, let's stop denying it. And let's stop like hiding behind it. And let's just be honest. If there's porn addiction in the room, there's porn addiction in the room. Big deal. I'm not saying keep doing it. I'm saying let's shift the way we think. I'm living example of it right here. Stop thinking the old pattern. How's that working for you? All addiction is, is trying to get a legitimate need met in an illegitimate way. That's all it is. What we need to do is find the legitimate. When you find out who you really are and who he really is, you don't want the other stuff anymore. Yes, there's a natural bent craving for something. I still have bents. I still have desires for certain things. But when I come back to, wait a minute, that's inferior thinking. God, I want to know what you think like. And he starts talking to me. And I'm like, oh, yes. Satisfaction guaranteed. <laughs> confession, though. Like repentance, confession has been mangled in the machinery of man-made religion. And it's sad. It's really sad. We focus a lot on confession, meaning confess your sins, confess your sins. Yes, 1 John 1, 9. I get it. I get it. But we live from a, a negative perspective. Again, kind of like with the taking every thought captive. So all we want to deal is deal with the negative and never really allow the positive to come in. Confession is just a, it's like a generic word in the sense that it just means something. You can confess sin, but you can also confess identity. The word in Greek is homo legeo. Homo meaning same, legeo meaning word, same word. Ta put it in the English, con, fess. What does it mean? Con meaning together or with, fess meaning to speak. Any southerners in here? Will you hear fess up? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, fess up. Fess up. Will you ever wonder where that word came from? It's, it actually means to speak. Speak up. Confess, with, speak. Together, speak. What is he talking about? Same word, homologeo, speak with. What's he talking about? Well, the best kind of confession is to say the same thing God is saying. Yes, that's 
that's the most power conf- powerful confession you can ever make. If I mess up and I do something wrong with my kids or my friends and I say something and I go to them and I say, Andy, I'm really sorry for that. This is what I did. That's what confession is. Confession is not saying you're sorry. Confession is saying you did it. Okay? This is a big one. If we could learn that one, that would be really, really good. Confession is not saying I'm sorry. Confession is saying I did it. This is what I did. What am I doing? I'm confessing. I'm saying the word of what happened. I'm saying the same word. But that there's something about that that's powerful and releasing, and it brings connection where there's been, where there's been a break. But at the same time, it's more powerful to start saying than what God is saying. Now I need to confess. What is God saying about this? If I do something wrong, I confess it, and I say this is what I did wrong, but on the other side of it, I start to confess what is Jesus saying about me? Who am I? Who is he? What has he said? What has he promised? I hope this is helping you this morning. Confession literally means to say the same thing as another. So find out what God is saying. Biblical confession is agreeing with God and what he has said. Psalm 119, 160 says this, The entirety of your word is truth. Okay, well, there's a good place to start. Right? The entirety of your word is truth. Well, let's just take the word then. Let's just start with that. If you don't know what to confess, start with this. Grab some good stuff. Go talk, go talk to David. You pulled me up out of a pit. That's the word of God right there. You set my feet on high places. You gave me promises. You showed me who I really am, right? What are we doing right now? Are you with me? Hello, are you with me in the room? Confession is starting to say the same thing that God is saying, but in order to do that, you have to know how he thinks. Well, if you don't know where to start with that, start with this right here. It's a really good primer. Yeah, homeschoolers are going to get that one. It's a really good primer. It's a good place to start. If you don't know what else to do, start with that right there. I would encourage you, start with the book of Ephesians. Again, that's my book, but you can borrow it whenever you want. It, start with the book of Ephesians. Just read the first chapter and really meditate on what Paul is praying for the church to grab hold of. R- real simple stuff, but he's praying that we would walk in this thing, that we would begin to understanding that the, the, the parts of our heart would be enlightened to understand the heights, the width, the depth of all this fullness that Christ has purchased for us to walk in. Heard Bill Johnson say that if you, when you find out who you are, you don't want to be anybody else. When you find out who you really are, you don't want to be anybody else. That helps me because there are places where I look at myself and I don't like myself. And so I look at that and instead of being like, oh, darn, I'm just a waste of skin, breathing somebody else's good air, sorry. Instead of living like that, I look at it and go, oh, so I just don't know who I am in that area yet. And when I know who I am, then I don't have to worry about being somebody else. The thing about worrying about being somebody else is you can look at it like, oh, that person's awesome. I want to be like them. Or you can look at somebody and say, oh, they're really bad. I'm glad I'm better than them. I don't know if I can say that again. Listen to the podcast. I don't know. That, that, that sounded really good. <laughs> you guys. John 16, he's praying for his disciples, Jesus, and he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Feel another bunny bath coming on. The word sanctify, guys, is the word hagazio. It means to set apart. Can I help you in this whole process of getting past the old thinking and into the new thinking? Can I just share you this? That you are not in a process of sanctification. God help us with that. Take one passage of scripture out of context and read it really wrong. Sanctification, hagazio, means to set apart. If sanctification is a process, then we've got a problem with the Lord's Prayer because it says, hallowed be your name. That word hallow is hagazio. Do you think God's name is being progressively cleaned up? It means set apart. Guys, you're set apart. Now, this is helpful. If I know that I'm set apart, then I'm removed from one thing reserved for another. Does this help? This is how God thinks. 
I'm just saying, what he's, what he's thinking is, yeah, I've plucked you out of that. You used to belong over there. You don't belong in that anymore. Yeah, it is one thing to, I don't know, I'm not saying this correctly. Old religious mentality says, clean yourself up and come into the presence of God. God thinks you're in my presence, so those things just don't belong anymore. As a matter of fact, I cleaned you up. Why would you want to go back to doing that anymore? And if you do go back to doing that, all you need to do is come back to a reminder saying that's not who you are. Come on, let's get cleaned up here. Come on, let's get back in. There you go. We're back where we belong again. Is this helpful? Done with the bunny path. In the Old Testament, confession had to do with what we have done. In the New Testament, confession has to do with what God has done. We have an advocate. We have a redeemer. We have one that has made us righteous in him, completely righteous in him. Your righteousness is not a progressive state, is it? He has become for us righteousness and sanctification, the word says. Corinthians says, my righteousness is not a progressive thing. My sanctification is not a progressive thing. I'm, actually, I'm absolutely righteous and I am set apart. Blood bought, redeemed, child of God. We do things in the church. Oh, well, brother, you need to apply the blood. <laughs> what? How do you do that? You guys are with me, right? We got all kinds of charismatic language on how we do it. You need to apply the blood. Where do you find that? I, I really think the sum total of all this application landed on him. And he actually applied it to me. The blood doesn't cover my sin, it cleanses it. If the blood covered sin, that means it still existed somewhere, and if, so, and if somebody moves the blood too much, they're going to see that. <laughs> it's inconsistent to think that the old covenant was a superior way of living. That's why Corinthians 3, Paul tells us that the law had a glory on it. But compared to the glory of the new covenant, that kind of stuff sounds like, eh, whatever. The glory of the new covenant just makes it look like it had no glory at all. When it has glory, but the new covenant is so much greater, it makes it look like it's nothing. I'm not making this up. 1 Corinthians 3. The Old Testament was confession about what you have done. New Testament is about confession of what God has done. Um, I, I sometimes I wish I could give you my eyes for a little bit. Just, uh, not because I think I know so much or I see something. I just My experience of life is what I'm talking about. I know what it's like to try to live the life of performance. And I know what it's like to come and learn and rest and meditate from his perspective on my life and start to confess what he says about me. And all of a sudden, the warfare is me laying on the floor fighting battles. We did that one week in here, didn't we? This is, this is how we fight. We lay on the floor and start talking like God talks. I don't know about you. I'm just not that strong to fight the devil with my own words. I just don't have enough strength and stamina to be able to compete there. It's, it's better if I just lay on the floor and start talking like God talks, and all of a sudden it's like, where'd you go? Where was that accusation? Where was that, where was that temptation? Where did that go? Yeah. It's all a matter of faith. This is what it comes down to. Everybody say faith. faith. It's really hot in here. Jesus, turn those air conditioners on, make them work. <laughs> Faithless confession puts the focus on you and what you have done, but faith-filled confession puts the focus on Christ and what he has done on your behalf. Faithless confession puts the focus on you and what you have done, but faith-filled confession puts the focus on Christ and what he has done on your behalf. Yes. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our Wait, it's not the confession of our sin? I'm, I'm serious. I know I'm treading some lines here, guys. I'm, I'm treading some stuff and I'm stepping on toes here. Are you saying you don't have to confess sin? Stop hearing what I'm not saying. Listen to what I am saying. Hold fast your confession of hope. Does it say to hold fast what you've done wrong? Thess Thessalonians has similar language. Don't despise prophecy. Test all things, but hold fast that which is good. 
We spend a lot of our time testing all things, holding fast that which is bad. <laughs> well, this was wrong, and that was bad, and this was terrible. Hold fast that which is good. Hold on to that. If you want to start thinking like God thinks, start, talk, start thinking these things right here. Well, Andrew, what about that other stuff? I'm telling you, it's funny how it ends up having a way of taking care of itself. It does. It has a way of just taking care of itself where I don't have to sit there and build parameters in my life to keep me from doing things wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to borrow this from Chris Volatin. I'm going to butcher his words, but he said something like this. Now, please understand me. Are you guys with me here? Yes. Everybody on the podcast, are you with me? I want to make sure you're hearing me correctly here. I believe that God has done given the 12-step program to us, and it's helped a heck of a lot of people. And I have friends that have been, and they've found help in it, but I have a challenge with it. And the primary challenge is this, that I have to identify with my problem. If I say I'm an addict, then I am forced to build a construct around my life that keeps me from doing the very thing that I am. That I say that I am. Yeah, I'm not talking out the side of my neck here. I know what I'm talking about because I've experienced it. If I confess what God is saying and keep my mind set there, the problems that I dealt with before, I'm not trying to keep myself from doing something wrong now. Now my life is opened up to start doing and living right. I can live coping through life. That sounds like life and life more redundantly. (laughs) I am made for more than that. I am made to be a world changer. I am made to bring the kingdom wherever I go. And if my mind is set on what is wrong with me, I'm never going to be able to bring the kingdom because I can't see it. Mm -hmm. Yes. I want us to be vigilant about thoughts. It's really what this is about. Vigilant about thoughts, but not just thoughts that are wrong and say, good job, myself, I dealt with some bad thoughts. They are good. No, we've got to move. We've got to progress into a deeper understanding where we're starting to think like him. Did you know that 30 scientists have found out that 30 to 50% of waking hours are daydreaming? Now, think about this. 30 to 50% of your waking hours are spent daydreaming on average. Now, that's really kind of... I don't know what to think of that. That means about 30 to 50% of the time I'm up here, you're not even listening to me. But it's okay. I can be okay with that. I can really be okay with that. I I can be okay with that because (laughs) Andy just goes, what did he say? (laughs) Is that what you just said? Or did I put that on you? Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He's messing with me. (laughs) But, you know, I'm really okay with that because I really believe that we have a sanctified imagination. It's just we need to, again, we, even with the daydreaming, we need to start dreaming like God dreams. Yeah. Thinking like he thinks, dreaming like he, I'm really okay with that. I really am. I know that anyway. I just know as a pastor, as a communicator, there are times where people will come to me after church and say, man, that thing you said about this right here, and they'll go, la, 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 and I'm going, <laughs> I didn't say anything like that. But I love the fact that Holy Spirit was putting it in their ear the way they needed to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Makes me look good. I'm not that smart. I do trust Holy Spirit, though. Yeah, if we're 30 to 50% daydreaming, how about we just channel that into daydreaming with God? I think that's really okay. I do a lot of daydreaming when I'm driving. My wife will testify to that because she's always grabbing the bar of the car going, oh, gosh, oh, oh, man. (laughs) Stop sign. It's right there. Oh, I didn't see it. It's okay. I was thinking like God. (laughs) Yeah, think like God when you're home. Just kidding, she doesn't do that, she doesn't do that. I want to read something to you, passage out of Mark chapter 2. Better turn there and make this legal. Mark chapter 2. I'm reading from Passion Translation. I'm going to read verse 1 through 12. It's a familiar story, but it's so familiar, I think it's one of those things where, even like myself, I'm looking back over some of these familiar stories because what I'm looking for is and asking Holy Spirit is to move me beyond my normal revelation. I want to move into something deeper. 
I want to catch something. And sometimes it takes some meditation, a pausing, and just really like going, what does he mean by that? For me, it may look different for you, but I'll grab multiple translations. I've got a New Testament that has 26 translations in it. And it's, uh, I keep that thing handy all the time because I can open that thing up and look at it and go, what does that say? What does that say? What does that say? You need that. You really need that. Can I encourage you to do that? Read multiple translations? Yeah. Thank you. I got a one yes right there. Okay. I'll take it. Mark chapter 2. Did I say that? Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum. And the news quickly spread that he was back in town. Jesus is back in town. Uh, this is how my mind's thinking right now. I'm just going to, I'm telling you, some of it's coming out. I'm picturing crowds. Jesus is back. Jesus, that dude, that guy that's healing, he's back in town. That's, I mean, it's not like, yeah, Jesus is back. I might go see him if I have time. Depends on what, I guess I could set Netflix aside for a night. <laughs> Soon there were so many people crowded inside the house to hear him that there was no room, even outside the door. While Jesus was preaching the word of God, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. But when they realized that they couldn't even get near him because of the crowd, they went up on top of the house and tore away the roof above Jesus' head. <laughs> Hungry people get things done. And when they had broken through, they lowered, whoa, that felt good. Wow. Whoa. When they had broken through. Mm. <laughs> People with breakthrough don't care. People with breakthrough have accessed something, and all they want to do with the people around them is help them access it as well. <laughs> they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher right down in front of him. When Jesus saw the extent of their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, My son, your sins are now forgiven. What? <laughs> this offended some of the religious scholars who were present, and they reasoned among themselves, Who does he think he is to speak this way? This is blasphemy for sure. Only God himself can forgive sins. Jesus supernaturally, everybody say supernaturally. supernaturally. Jesus knew how God was thinking. Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and said to them, why are you being so skeptical? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? But to convince you that the Son of Man has been given authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, stand up, Pick up your stretcher and walk home. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately, the man sprang to his feet in front of everyone and he left for home. That is weird. That is just weird. Dude just healed me. I'm out of here. I would be like, can we have a conversation? Can we just talk for a minute here? Because this is like really weird to me. These feet, this thing is really weird. I can feel these things. They're there. They work. Yeah, it just is funny to me. I don't know. Again, okay. Immediately, he sprang up to his feet in front of everyone and left for home. When the crowds witnessed the miracle, they were awestruck. They shouted praises to God and said, we've never seen anything like this before. So I want to talk about this story just for a moment here. Can you imagine, first of all, the disruption of all this? I mean, just think with me. People are crowded. Imagine this room. People crowding into the room. People standing outside so much that the people outside are blocking people further outside from hearing. So people show up and they're like, dude, my bro here, he needs this guy in here. He heals people. So they start rip. You're sitting here talking, listening to me talk right now. And just imagine this. All of a sudden, <laughs> bam, 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 up on the roof. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. Stuff starts falling. Ceiling tiles start coming out. <laughs> this guy lands right here in front of you. Just, I just want you to picture the disruption with me here. I mean, this was not like some little like angel showed up. That's <laughs> just dudes were tearing somebody's house up, man. 
But I want you to think about it for a moment because think about that if you were in the room. If you're in the room and you start to see this, to ha see this happen, ask yourself the question, what would I be thinking? What would I be thinking at that moment? I'm a contractor. That's what I used to do. It's still in my blood. I know what I'd be thinking. Okay, they need to be really careful because that's unstable. <laughs> they're they're going to fall. They're going to fall through that thing. Oh, boy, that's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. I'm a contractor. We have any attorneys in the room? <laughs> I just, I don't, I'm not an attorney, but I can imagine. Oh, that's a liability. <laughs> Somebody's going to get sued. Right? What about the religious in the room? How dare you disrupt? What am I trying to point out here? I don't, I don't know this. It's not in the text, but I'm just trying to glean stuff out of this and go, man, there's, there had to have been multiple different types of people in the room. Maybe there were moms in the room that had sick kids. Parents. And all of a sudden, this paralyzed guy starts getting lowered down through the roof. What would have been going through their mind? Oh, crap, I should have thought of that. <laughs> Quick, Bob, get the stretcher. <laughs> We're following them. They're running up to the roof, lowering their people down. I, I don't know. I'm just saying, this is the kind of stuff that I'm pondering. I'm going, what's going on here? I'm trying to get the atmosphere of the room. Because if I can understand the atmosphere of the room, at least a little bit, it makes a little more sense when I hear Jesus say what he says. It says there that Jesus supernaturally perceived the thoughts of the religious leaders who were thinking to themselves, how dare he? Who can do this? Now, why is this important? Because I just, I don't want to know just what he's thinking. I want to know what his intent is behind it because what happened in that moment was he absolutely changed the atmosphere of the room. Whatever had been going on in the room, we know only that the religious leaders are being spoken of here. They're saying, who has the power to forgive sins? Only God can do that. How dare he? All of a sudden, this obstinate, you her heretic, you, can you feel it? You can feel it when I'm talking about it. It starts to fill the room. The atmosphere begins to fill the room. But Jesus wasn't a thermometer. He was the thermostat. Yeah. He couldn't just tell you what the temperature of the room was. He could change it. Mm -hmm. So all this is happening, and he just says, well, just so you know who I am, and that I have the authority to do this right here? Dude, get up, get out of here. What was happening in that moment right there? You talk about shifting atmospheres. Really, culturally, at that time, this is important. At that time, if someone was paralyzed like that, they would have been, it would have been known across the board that the reason why they're sick is because sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a cultural norm. If somebody was sick, it was because of sin. So here's Jesus, not only reading the atmosphere, before anybody thought anything or said anything, he's reading the atmosphere and going, yeah, <laughs> sick dude coming, can't move. Everybody thinks it's because he's got sin. You know what I'm going to do? Tell him he doesn't have sin anymore. I think the healing came when he said that, not when he said, get up and walk. Because even he himself at some level, I can't read his mind. Again, I don't want to insert something into scripture that's not there, but I'm trying to glean stuff here. So can you give me a little bit of license with this? Even the sick man being lowered down would have had the mentality, I'm this way because of sin in my life. And the releasing power of heaven, thinking like God happened when he said your sins are forgiven you not when he said get up and walk because the way we think will captivate us and if I'm not thinking like heaven thinks I will be a cripple my entire life Proverbs says as a man thinks so is he right You can't control what happens to you in your life, but you can certainly control what you do with it. I came in late last night. Dave was, he's a good friend. Hung out there late, picked me up at the airport. 
All the early planes eat the later planes, I've discovered. <laughs> they take the priority. All the early planes in the day, you leave six, seven, eight in the morning, you're gonna be fine. You get those late flights, they've been swallowed by the early flights. <laughs> because the early flights can be a little late here, a little late there, next thing you know, everything's, well, I actually landed 20 minutes early. But nobody was there to put the ramp towards the plane. <laughs> I was, I mean, it sat like that forever, and I'm like, dude, I can make the leap. Just, <laughs> just get out of the way, I can do this. I'm sitting there thinking, but I'm, what's happening in my mind is I'm like, ah, I'm frustrated. Gee, you're blowing this 20-minute lead. <laughs> That's how I think, though. I'm like, come on, man. It's not the journey for me. It's the destination, man. I'm like, I want to get there. I'm thinking 20 minutes. This is great. I text Dave. Yeah, man, I'm at the gate. Then I'm starting to feel really bad because I'm still sitting at the gate. <laughs> Just looking out the window, waiting. Anybody? Anyone? I get off that. I go down to get my luggage. The luggage is nowhere to be found. They tell me it's on this turn style thing or whatever that carousel oh no we're gonna move it over to this one so i run all the way down there i go to that one. Oh no we're gonna move it over to this one <laughs> now while that's happening i've got all kinds of things going through my mind but even in the middle of that guys i celebrate this this is so good i love that god is this good to me because in the process of this with him discovery of how god thinks he's like andrew this is a good way to choose how you're going to think And all of a sudden, I said, okay, I'm not going to just change my attitude here. I want to know what God's thinking. I want to know what's going on. Now, I didn't get some revelatory word about healing for somebody and pray for them. Nothing like that happened. I felt this as an internal thing going on inside of me. What I started to see and what I started to hear and catch what God was saying, he was saying, Andrew, this thing that is taking so long is a blip in eternity. It's a blip. You think this is so inconvenient. This is a hiccup. Is this making sense? Yeah. And what am I doing in that moment? I'm not getting some deep revelation. I'm just reminded God's thinking way broader than I am. The fact that my luggage comes out very last on the conveyor belt. <laughs> <laughs> what am I saying with all of this? We can choose, because thoughts are going to come from somewhere. Now, we know they'll come from the de devil. We know that. We know that they can come from God. We know we can have our own thoughts. I, I, I get all that stuff. But oftentimes, it's what's around us that can produce thoughts. I'm thinking about that going, the atmosphere in this story produced thoughts in people. The atmosphere of a paralyzed man, of somebody just being absolutely off the charts brave, digging a hole in a roof, dropping a guy down inside of there. That was setting an atmosphere. We can catch thoughts in an atmosphere. You guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever walked into any given situation and it just feels like, whoa, this is weird? Now, I'm not talking about just in a dark, demonic place. Can we as a people agree that we need to stop being afraid of dark, demonic places? That's so dark down there. That's the devil lives down there. You don't want to go downtown. The devil's down there. Come on, let's go. That's what I'm saying. That's just such a dark, dark, dark place. You know, there's all kinds of principalities and powers covering that building right there. Come on, let's go. Let's get right in the middle of it. I like that. I'm not just talking about that kind of atmosphere. I'm talking about the atmosphere where it's just natural thinking. It's just humanistic, natural thinking. That's one thing that can determine how we think. But also, adversity can determine how we think. Is that okay to say that? Yeah. Let me ask the question. What's coming at you right now? What's coming at you right now? What adversity is coming at you right now? Is it direct or is it indirect? Is it somebody, like, attacking you? Verbally? Somebody trying to take you down? Is it indirect? What do you mean indirect? Traffic. <laughs> Has nothing to do with you. <laughs> I have a friend. I've asked him if I could share this, and he's like, he, he loves this story. He, he reminds me of this one all the time. Years ago when we were in Nashville, he said, yeah, man, I just didn't realize how self-centered I was. He's in the process of just really discovering Jesus and people in life and outside of his own little shell. And he says, I didn't realize how self-centered I was. I remember walking through a parking lot at a Kroger. This is up in Nashville. Anybody know what Kroger is? Yeah. Let's go Krogering. Okay. <laughs> He's walking through the parking lot at a Kroger, and all of a sudden he hears a horn, car horn. And he's turning around. He's like, who's honking at me? Only to look across the street, and there was a guy, another guy honking for a completely different reason. In other words, it's not all about you. 
<laughs> Adversity. Things that come towards us. Rejection, hurt, pain, whatever it is. Here's the good news. Jesus already beat it. I think we heard that this morning. He already won. Such a good word. Where are you, Hobbs? You're a boss. Yeah, I'm just saying, guys, if you don't get here early, you miss some of the good stuff. Jesus said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Okay, that's a good thought to think. That's a really good thought to think. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Sometimes we think he's overcome the world, but I'm going to still sit here like this. because He's overcome the world, but man, it sucks right now. That's half the story. It says, be of good cheer. I don't think you can muster up good cheer. I think it has to do with changing the way we think, start thinking like him, then we start to realize, oh my gosh, everything he does is good and happy and fun. It's what Jesus modeled, right? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Why did he do it? Joy! Woo! Let's celebrate. Maybe we need to have a laughing exercise sometime. If you can stop laughing, you can start. Yeah, Jesus didn't see a victim in this situation here. He didn't see a victim. He didn't see a sinner. What he saw was a son. Why? Because he's thinking completely different. He's thinking like God. Verse 6 says, Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts and said, there is a thing called groupthink. Have you ever heard of it? Let me see your hand if you've heard of groupthink before. It's a literal thing. You can look it up. Groupthink is where the general populace will hold on to an idea or a concept because everybody else holds on to that concept. And usually there's someone in the group called a mind guard who is usually generally a leader who's just gotten really manipulative. And the mind guard will control how people think. It'll do things. The church has been guilty of doing this for a long time. Where we think that if we gather and we go to a church that is a denomination, non-denomination, whatever. They're all denominations that their theology, if I'm going to go to that church, I have to agree with their theology. That's a groupthink mentality. Because then there is zero room for disagreement. Because if we disagree, now you can't be a part of it anymore. Aren't you glad we don't gather around doctrines? We gather around Jesus. I'm really okay with people having a different doctrine than me. I really am okay with that. Really am. As long as it's Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, born of the Virgin Mary, sinless, perfect, sacrifice of the world. As long as you hold on to that, I'm cool. <laughs> you and I, we're good. We're good. Your eschatology may be a little different. I'm cool. I'm cool with that. We're all going to realize how wrong we are anyway when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? I need to quit. Okay. <laughs> all right. You can't force someone to think differently. You can only demonstrate another way of thinking. I think that's what Jesus was doing here. He wasn't coming up against their thinking and saying, you can't think like that. He was saying, I'm going to show you another way to think. That's what I'm going to do. At the end of the story, you had all the attorneys wondering about liability. You had all the contractors worrying about cost and safety. You had all the mothers and the fathers worrying about why didn't they bring their child. You had everybody all of a sudden shift their thinking and start going, this is amazing, God, you're wonderful. Shouldn't that be the end result of all of it? That we start to think like that? We're thinking so much like God that even when we walk out this door and we see things that aren't godly, we can look at it and go, God, you're wonderful. God, you're wonderful. You're amazing. I spent the week with my family. Not all of them are walking with Jesus. It's okay. Some things get said, some things get done that are kind of like, you know. But I, I look at them, and I even in that process, yesterday I was sitting there at that party up in Nashville, and I'm just sitting there watching. A few of them having a little more to drink than they should. But I'm looking at it, and I'm going, God, I want to know what you think. And all of a sudden I'm looking at them, and I don't see what's happening anymore. I see them. I see them. My father-in-law had asked me for my mother-in-law's birthday. He had asked me to just bring something and sing a little song, and I did. But I, I just brought real quick how we're so diverse in the family. We're so different. Different family approaches, different church, not church, all that kind of stuff. But I really brought it back to it. I was saying, I want to know what you think right here. And I looked at my mother-in-law, and I said, you want to know 
something in all of this, even though we all have different adversity, different challenges in life, and all of these things. I said, you can look right now, and I said, just look around the circles, about 25, 30 of us sitting there. I said, look around the circle for a minute. Just look at the faces of these people. You know them. But if you really look close enough, you're going to discover how good God is. God's good. God's good. We come from different situations. Some of them are broken. There's grafted in family. There's family that's not really family, but yet they're family because of live-in situation. It's like, you know, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in trying to correct all that stuff. I'm looking at it, and I look back at her, and I said, this is your legacy. Look at what you've done. Look at the people you've brought together. Look at the people that love you so much. What was I doing in that moment? All I was doing was saying, God, I want to know what you think about this. And what I saw was an, uh, an inheritance. What I saw was a legacy. What I saw was long-term, saying this is what matters right here. It's family. This is God's design. Does this make sense? Yeah. Everybody stand up with me here. Oh, Jesus, help us. Church, I'm hoping this is helping. I don't know what's going to happen next, next week. I don't know, but I am just, I'm, I'm coming back to this thing of the importance of what really matters. It's God and it's people. Yep. Only two things are getting out of this world system. Only two things. Did you know that, right? It's God's word because it says it endures forever and people. It's God's word and people. Maybe if we started thinking his words, thinking his thoughts, it would change the way that we interact with people and all of a sudden people would not just be humanity anymore, they would be family. Yeah, Jesus. Lord, help us with all of this. Lord, what we're saying is we want to think like you think. I want to think like you think, God. I want to begin to make confession that's based on what you say. I want to say the same thing you're saying. Yes, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I feel like right now I just want to project, if I can, just a general over you all an impartation. Impartation is, sounds like I'm giving you something you don't have, but really true impartation is me waking up something inside of you that's already there. I just, I want to pass that right now on to you if you want to receive it. I'm just really releasing impartation right now so that minds in here would begin to think like God thinks. That everything would begin to shift. That all the other stuff, that mumbo jumbo, can I just say bull? That all that stuff would begin to dissipate. That it would be seen for what it really is in light of what God is saying. Paul talked about it. All those things he learned that he thought was so great and wonderful, he counted it as poop. That is the literal translation. I'm not making that up. That all that other worldly stuff, worldly plans, programs, worldly ideas, all of that stuff would just dissipate and would begin to think like God thinks. That there would be a peace that settles in that's beyond understanding. You know that. He says he will give you a peace that passes all understanding, which means that at some point you've got to allow it to go beyond your understanding. Yeah, just a vulnerability to receive what Jesus is saying. Yes, God, yes, God. Just begin to say yes to him. All that you have, all that you're saying, Lord, I don't want your, just your words, God. I want your heart. I want your heart. I want my heartbeat to start beating with yours. I want to be so in sync with you and what you're doing and what you're saying that I'm not just catching what I need to catch for me and people around me. I'm beginning to impart heaven. I'm beginning to bring kingdom by when I walk in the room. That my atmosphere shifter is working. Because I think like you think. I walk in the room and it demands that everything line up with you are amazing. You are awesome. You are so wonderful. I stand in amazement at how good you are. God, you're good. You're always good. All you do is good. You never do anything bad because you don't have bad things in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, Lord, we just want to line up with you. Release it, Lord. Release all of that. Release all of that, Lord. We choose to think like you think, God. Yeah. All right. Our prayer teams, ministry teams, go ahead and make your way up here. If you need prayer for anything, if you're here and you're just going, I don't know about this Jesus, but I want to find out more, talk to somebody. Just talk to somebody. If you've never just said, Jesus, I want you. I want you in my life. I'm giving you my life. Do that. 
I'm not saying I'm better because I have Jesus, but I am most certainly better off. Oh, yes. I'm going to pray that blessing over you guys. If you need prayer, just go ahead and begin to make your way up right now. But I'm going to bless you that the light of the gospel would shine, that your minds would be enlightened, that your heart would be enlightened to receive, that you would receive things that you can't even comprehend, but you know it's shifting you on the inside, that that would begin to happen. And I pray it over you, release it over you in Jesus' name. Amen? amen. Say amen, church. Amen. amen. Lord bless you all. Lord bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life. 